how do you beg? I mean, you beg when you want what you want or when you're looking for what you want, you're actually begging not to want what you actually want at that moment, you know, because begging can be going both direction. I'm actually praying for getting exactly what I want. I'm actually begging to stop begging for what I want. Is, is that clear uh, what I'm saying? So uh, years ago, uh, how many years ago? We talk about 12 years ago. I was volunteers in a, in a rehab place, rehab for drugs and alcohol and other things. And it was a group of people that could not pay for rehab. So they come together into a big room, 200, 200 people, 200 kids. And in the other, in, not far from there, was a group of billionaires that they come to the rehab with a private jet, 20 of them. That's it, 20 of them in an area that you can put 200 people. And uh, they chose me to teach here, to give lecture here. And they, they told me also to teach there. Here I used to give lecture Friday. We gave it a name called Spiritual Friday. And here it was during the week, during Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever they need me. And I found out that the people that basically are in the bottom, uh, in the 12th step, they call it when, when the, somebody hit bottom, when, when it's totally in the bottom, they're getting Vayet Hanan. they they really getting that point. They want to change. But some of them want to change so they can get out of the rehab because they are, it's, it's, a, it's a similar to prison in a way. You cannot get out. You know, you cannot get out. Your parents put you there or your husband or your wife. This is instead of going to prison. If you did something wrong, many famous people go there. And if people will know that they're actually there, it will be a big problem, magazine and all this and that. And um, you see them begging. And I remember I gave this lecture, it was around this Vayet Hanan, it was another rabbi next to me, Chabad rabbi with me, another reform rabbi, conservative rabbi, uh, a woman who practiced Hindu, and uh, two gentlemen that come from the Christian science or something like that. Just was a lot of kids from different religion there. And what we discover, we discover something very interesting. That some people did Vayet Hanan so they can get out of there and get drugs again. And some people, Vayet Hanan, clear, right? I explained, Vayet Hanan means begging. Some people did Vayet Hanan, so they really, they want to change. It's like, God, help me. Help me becoming a better person. The question you have to ask yourself tonight, because we know that there is 52 weeks. Every week we read the parasha. We're not reading an history book. People think the Torah is historical, like we only read history. You got to get out of the history channel and move into the discovery channel. Change your mind a little bit. No, seriously, it's, it's very important. Because if you read it as a historical book, you're not going to get something out of it. But if you're going every Shabbat to, to hear the Torah, you want to know what you want to get this Shabbat. What do you want to get this Shabbat? What exactly are we getting? We're getting the idea of tachanunim, meaning begging, for the sake of changing. Not begging that I can get what I want. Every person can beg the creator, hey, can I have a soulmate? Hey, can I have more money? Hey, can I have more pleasure? Hey, can I have my addiction to stay so I can enjoy it, actually? Or can I have my addiction to go? That's a question you should ask yourself. What kind of Vayet Hanan are you doing? When you pray to Hashem, those of you pray three times a day. Those of you who do Tikkun Chatzot or Shema Lamita or the different type of prayer that you do, you know, what exactly you begging? A lot of time we're begging for the wrong begging. Our Vayet Hanan is kind of a, I want to get what I want to get. According to the Zohar, according to Kabbalah, according to different uh, book of Hasidut, what do I have here today? Uh, the idea of begging is to be mostly about what I need to change. What I need to change. I'll give you an example. I remember when I started teaching in a rehab, I said to myself, if I'm here, I'm going to suffer from addiction as well. That's the way it is. A teacher would teach some people with addiction. You got to recognize, hey, what's wrong with me? So I started thinking, what is my thing? And at that point, I was 65 pounds more than what you see me now. Okay. And I realized food is my thing. And I remember I was a psychiatrist there. And I said, listen, I love to drink wine. I think I'm a, I'm, maybe I'm an addict to a wine. She's telling me, you drink any wine? I said, no, I like, I like Bordeaux or I like Merlot. Say, no, no, you're not addicted. So why not? I say, addict, drink, whatever it is. It doesn't look if it's a Bordeaux uh, from uh, 1919 or it's this. It's just drink to get high and goodbye. And uh, I told her, what about food? So tell me about food. I said, I got to eat all the time. I just got to eat. 
I mean, I got to eat whatever it's salty, then it's have to be sweet. If it's sweet, the next one would be salty. And it's never stopped. Never stop. I grew up in a house. Those of you know Sephardic house that basically on the way to the living room, there is a jar with something called kak. It's like a salty kind of cookie. On the way to the right, you have a sweet one. Then on the way to the left was another thing. Then if you open the refrigerator, there's something ready for you just to warm it and eat. So I realized that love in my family was the kitchen and the dining room. That was the main room. It's not like today, living room. And this, we were kitchen, dining room. That's when everything is happening. That's all decisions take a place, dining room or kitchen. And they were connected to one another. Cooking, dining room, kitchen. And you're going around all the time. It's all the time. So I talked to her and she said, most probably you, you definitely have an addiction to food. And uh, uh, I said, I love all food, no discrimination. Besides celery, I'm good with everything, you know? So I realized that I'm there for a reason. So I started listening to the people who tell the story in the rehab. And, and it was a story similar to mine, but it's related more to food. And at that point, at that point, I, I make a conscious decision. So I got to watch it. I got to watch what I eat when I eat. And I met the wonderful doctor, may he rest in peace, Dr. Uh, uh, Bobby. Dr. Bobby was a wonderful man who helped people in a very special way. Uh, he has a fancy place in Boca Raton, Florida. And I started working with him on, on me, on my diet, on how to eat better. And it truly becoming a spiritual event. Because in the moment I start looking into it, I say, God, can you make me more looking into the thinking about my addiction? Is it the food? Is it the food addiction? And I have to eat it. So I start praying to God, I did my own Vaithanan. Vaithanan becoming, it changed a little bit with the help of the psychiatrist, with the help of uh, my friend who's a rabbi. It's different Vaithanan. Instead of I'm praying for what I'm, I can get, I start praying for how to stop myself from eating. My dear friend, when you go this Shabbat to hear the parasha, you have to think about it. What are you begging for? What are you begging for? When you are really begging, when you write that note in the, in the, in the Western wall, in the Kotel, you know, everybody writing a note, dear God, I'm missing a Mercedes in my yard. Can you make it happen? That's not by Hanan. It's going to be, dear God, I'm jealous. Can you help me being less jealous? Dear God, I'm getting angry very often. Help me. Change it. Dear God, I think I'm better than other people. Can you help me with that? Wherever I go, even if I'm in the subway, I'm looking around and I feel I'm better than everybody here. And when that hit your mind this weekend, this Shabbat, this specific Shabbat can cure all of it. All of it can be cured. Hashem, the creator, make it available for us, but only if we ask for it. If you're asking this Shabbat, hey, can I get a better money, better salaries in, in the, at work, a better boss, better wife, better husband, better kids? That's different than what Hashem expecting for us. So the question, it's not an easy change. It's not an easy, easy transformation because we are accustomed to ask for what we don't have. But we are not accustomed to start praying for the thing I need to change. Most people always, when they come to religion or to spirituality, are going there because they're missing something. And then they want to be fulfilled by mighty God, by the angels, by some rabbi or some righteous people that look righteous and they have a long beard, maybe a pious, maybe a bigger yamaka, And they're always looking old and kind of wear off. And now we trust them and now we walk after them because they can fulfill our desire. But that's not how the Kabbalists are teaching us. The Kabbalists are teaching us life is about changing me. Life is not about me getting what I wanted to get. Because if you want to get that type of dream, I mean, you can read all those books, The Secret or Tony Robbins or Les Brown, whoever familiar with those names, Zig Ziglar, in the, if you're old enough, if you understand that name. So there is a lot of wonderful things. People that I met, people I talked to, and they're wonderful how to get what you want, how to really, really get what you want, how to really get what you want when you want it. You have all those lectures. But in our spiritual lecture is how not to get what you want when you want it. That's a difficult lecture. That's a lecture that will not sell because here I'm about to teach you how not to get what you want when you want it. 
Because a lot of time when you want thing, it's not the greatest thing for you. Think about it. A lot of time you desire someone or you desire something. And in the end, that thing that you desire, it's actually the worst thing for you. It's a curse. Many times I have people coming to my office and meet with me and say, I thought he will be my husband. He will be the best thing that ever happened to me. Two years later, down the road, nightmare. Same thing with the men. Men meet the lady. Everything seems wonderful. Everything seems amazing. It's spiritual. It's amazing. It's a magic. But we are missing the point of we want each other for ourselves. If we want each other for ourselves, that's not going to end up very well. But if I want to change, she wants to change, he wants to change, they want to change, then we are talking about spiritual event between two people. This is really what Vaitranam. Now, anybody know how many times Moses begged the creator? This parasha, do you, do you know how many times? 515, very good. 515 times Moses is begging to get into the land of Israel. And the answer of God, the wonderful answer is, Absolutely not. Can you imagine? Moses, the Moses, is asking for 515 times, and God say, no. 515 times. 515 times. Now, of course, you can ask, why did he continue to 516? Huh? Why wait have to be 515? I mean, this, this, this is a question like that. So the point, my friend, is why Moses asked for it? What are you getting by that? And what is the point that God keeps saying no to him? No, absolutely no. The answer is no. And what do we do when somebody tells us no? Because there is people, when people tell them no, I say, okay, I'm going to go home. And they go sad and victim.com start to play a role, you know. And there is people who fight back. It depends what, what you are. I mean, don't tell Israeli no, because that's usually invitation to have an argument, you know. But if you tell most people, I don't know, grew up in anybody here from... Iowa or Minnesota, you ever give lecture there, or Oshawa, Canada. I mean, you don't know those areas where I used to teach, going around, teaching everywhere. So there is area in the world that people have, they're nice. You tell them no, there's no second. No, they go home. They're not upset, just no. You come to New York, you tell somebody, no, it's, it's not working. It's not working. Even in LA, I used to teach in LA for 10 years. I, we moved to New York almost a year ago. And you tell people, listen, it's not going to work. They right away say, why not? Why? Nobody in LA will tell you why not. It's not polite. Why not? I don't know why not. I just say, no, let me think about the reason. I didn't, I wasn't even ready for that. But anyway, let's jump into understand what exactly Svatemet, those of you who are familiar, but before that, I would like to start actually with Arve Nachal, one of my favorite books. It's, it's, it's not, I'm, I'm taking only small part of what, what Arve Nachal said, but it's, it's a very, very important part. So why, why Vaitranan? What is Moses exactly want? That's what Arve Nachal would want to ask. And uh, I'm going to put the phone, remind me with my time because I can have this tendency to talk a lot. So I want to make sure that you live on time. So, Rabban Shel Kol Nevi'im. Moses was the, the, the rabbi of all prophet. Yumshach bitul p'chira ve'idbatel sachar. Say the Arvenachal. The reason God is saying no to Moses is because the free will will be taken away from the Israelites, from the Jewish people, and they will not be able to act with the free will. What does that mean? That's why you say Joshua will get them into Israel. I don't know if you've ever been in that physical place where Joshua crossed the Jordan River. You ever been there? It's called Kassar Liahud. It's, it's an Arabic word, actually. It's a place. When you be in Israel, let me know. I'll tell you where to go. So God is telling Moses, if I let you go to Israel, they have no free will. Only with Joshua, they have free will. Still not clear. Why? If you have a free will, you have reward. If you don't have free will, you don't have something to get reward for. So Moses 
God is telling Moses, what do you think they made it in the desert? They didn't make it in the desert so, so great. I mean, you know, you know the Torah. They complain about every five hours. You know, what happened with the zucchini? How come the onion is not? Remind you of somebody, right? I mean, Sunday, I don't know, football, what do you call it? A Super Bowl with a bunch of Jewish people. And the meat is not, it's too dry. Put some sauce. The onion is too fresh. The thing, it's not much. You know, you look at that. They always complain. So how they made it? They made it because of Moses. Tell us Moses, the tzaddik of all tzaddikim, the rabbi of all rabbi, the, the Navi, the prophet of all prophet, was so holy, was so spiritual that he was able to carry all the people of Israel with him as they walked through the desert. That's what Moses did. So God tell him, if I let you in Israel, we're going to have a problem. I want those kids to earn it. And without earning, you got nothing. You want them to be happy, they got to earn it. If you think when you ask for something that will make you happy, never. If you're not earning what you're having, you'll be miserable. That's the answer of Venachalist teaching us. By the way, the Gemara talk about it as well. It's called Naim Badechsifa. Naim Badechsifa translates into Naim Amin Chala, Pita, bread. Naim Amin bread. The Ksifa meaning shame. So it's almost translated as a bread of shame, if you wish. So when the person is receiving something that is not capable of earning, that's exactly what will make you sad or give you anxiety, panic attack, and all the list that the psychologist will talk to you about. Every time that you're earning what you have, include wisdom, beauty, money, everything. You got to earn everything. How do you earn beauty? Don't use your beauty to manipulate people. Use your beauty to guide people. How do you earn money? Don't use money just to manipulate people out, out to sell, buy. Use money either for tzedakah, maaser, or use money to teach other people how to make money. Everything is has to be with an aspect of sharing. But in Israel, the Jewish people, when they get out of Egypt, what do you think the mind wave was? Slave. They were slave. You can get them out of Egypt, but you couldn't get the Egypt out of the mind. They were thinking like slave. It was difficult. That's why I should keep repeating. Li Avadayim. They are my servant. They're not Pharaoh. You're gone of Egypt. You're no longer that Mitzrayim. It's called Egypt, called Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim means Tsar. Tsar means narrow. You're thinking too small. What is a slave? What is a slave mind? Somebody who's thinking too small. If you're thinking too small, you're thinking like a slave. Once you think it big, you no longer think like a slave. You're thinking, how can I make five dollars? You think like a slave. How can I make five billion dollars? You think like, huh? Now you're thinking how to build synagogue, how to build mikvaot, how to build torot, and more and more. You think big. A lot of time I see in Judaism that people judge people who think big. They judge, oh, don't be too greedy. No, no good. In other religion too, in Christianity, they call it gluttony. Meaning you're not allowed to want too much and enjoy too much. Moses was rich, by the way. Abraham was rich. Isaac was rich. Jacob was rich. Should I, should I continue? Rabbi Tarfon was rich. Those people are rich. It was only in the last 200 years that there is a kind of a thing. If you're rich, mm, can be spiritual. Mm, can be, who say that? Depends how you use your talent, how you use your wisdom, how you use your beauty, how you use your money, how even you use your Torah, how you use everything. Earn it. You want to be happy, smile all day long, earn whatever you got. Earn it. How do you earn it? Share it. You don't share what you got, you're not going to enjoy what you have. Remember that. I had a question, a weird question that came into my office not too long ago. I mean, I'm getting used to New York. I think I'm start getting it. And, uh, and I realized the women are more stronger here than LA. It was much easier for me here, there. And the women are asked very direct question, which I was not ready for it. So a lady called and she told me I have a difficult time with the, with the, with the dating. I'm not finding a wedding guy. I don't find the guy. The, she, uh, you know, she, uh, she do. And uh, so, okay, what, what, what can be wrong? Are you into God? Are you into spirituality? I'm getting into it. I'm not into it that much. So I said, okay, so what do you think going wrong? I, said, I don't know. I don't know. I'm dating so many times and nothing works. So can you tell me a day in your life how you date? Maybe there's something you say or something. So very simple, you know, usually I'm going in the evening. It's usually Thursday. So I'm going on a drink. True story. I'm going on a drink 
with one guy and then later on for the dinner or antipasto, I'll go with another guy. And then for dessert, I will go with the third guy. I didn't know that exists, by the way. This is new to me. I mean, I never heard. I mean, maybe you heard, I never heard. And I heard a lot. I heard it all. I heard all story, but I never heard a person in two hours or three hours can date three different human beings. I mean, I asked stupid questions. She laughed. I said, how do you remember all the names? How do you remember the name? This is, I don't know, Jonathan. This is Isaska, but this is Shimon. Who is who? Yeah, numbers can get confused today in the WhatsApp. You got to take a picture. You don't remember that was the drink guy. Hey, how was the drink? We didn't drink. We ate. Oh, how was the dessert? No, we didn't dessert. We drink. So when you get into that kind of consciousness of all the time, how can I get? How can I get? You're not going to be happy. How can I earn? Remember that word. I want to earn what I have. I don't want to get. I want to earn what I have. If you have kids, teach the kids to earn. Don't teach the kids to receive. Receiving doesn't make you happy. Earning makes you happy. Remember yourself when you started, when the first check you got, the first money, the coin, the achievement. Achievement is what makes a human being happy. Why? Why? In According to Rabbi Isaac Luria, that his death anniversary was a few days ago, he writes like that. He writes that we were created in the image of God. Because we were created in the image of God, God in Kabbalah called Bore Olam. Bore. Bore means creator. We are have an image of Bore, image of a, a creator. When you creating the next moment, you are happy. When the next moment creating you, you are unhappy. Okay, let me repeat. When you create the next words, the next action, the next idea, you're always going to be happy. When the next idea creating you, meaning you are too reactive to what's going on around you, you're going to be miserable. So we need to change it. That's what we do by Tchadam. Moses took away the free will from the people because he loved them. He couldn't help it. He's like a good Jewish mother. Couldn't help it. I will do everything for my kids. Everything for my kids. But sometimes you do everything for your kids. They can grow. If you take a butterfly and you cut the butterfly out of the cocoon, what do you think will happen to the wings of the butterfly? They will not be able to develop. This butterfly will struggle to fly. Sometimes the struggle itself is needed. Don't skip the struggle. Moses skipped the struggle for the people of Israel. God said to him, no more. In Israel, they have to grow up. They have to do it on their own. When you take a lobster, I heard it only today. I don't know if it's true. You take a lobster. Did you know that lobster grow? I didn't know that lobster grow. And he has like a, uh, what do you call it? A shell? Can I call it a shell? A shell. So the lobster needs to grow. He feels tight and he go under the ground and he break that shell. And then he become like uh, only the, the snail, whatever you call it, that little thing. And then a new shell grow and it become bigger. A lot of time when we are in the middle of spiritual growth and we have pain, Usually, we go to see a psychiatrist, a doctor, psychologist. Hey, if you're in pain, take a pill. You're going to feel better tomorrow. Don't worry about it. But we didn't deal with the growth. Then we go back to the small shell, and we keep taking pills for the rest of our life. A lot of time, you have an invitation from God to grow. Hashem said to you, I want to make you greater. But you have to go to some pain. It's a little slap in the face here, humiliation here. People don't like you. If you have Facebook, 200 of your friends are dropping you down. They don't want to be your friend or your Instagram or whatever you have there. Things happen. Within those things that happen, there's a blessing. What is the blessing? Earning. That's taking us to another section of Sfatemet. Those of you who don't know Sfatemet, Barry in Poland. Uh, one of the greatest, one of the greatest tzaddikim, I mean, touched my heart. And he, he writes like this. In the in Vaitchanan, it says, It say that God desire you. You, the people, he mean the Jewish people, the Israelite. I mean, when I say Jewish, many people ask me, who is a Jew? Who is a Jew? The Gemara, the Talmud say that in the end of time, Eliyahu and Navi, Elisha the prophet will come and say, you're Jewish, you're Jewish. No, you're not Jewish, you're not. And 
It doesn't matter if you think you're Jewish because your mother is Jewish and your great-grandmother is Jewish. But a Jewish comes from the word Yehuda. Yehuda, ata yuducha achicha. You want to know if you have spark of Jewish within you? You have gratitude. Yehuda means gratitude. Yehudi means gratitude. Gratitude. That's why Jewish people have a long pray after they eat, not before. After you don't need the food anymore, you don't need the bread, you don't need the dessert, the table is a mess on Shabbat. Aha! Now it's time to say thank you. And you know how long is the thank you? Oh, it's a long booklet. You're going to make long. Amot. Then second, when we start eating. But the Berkat Amazon, Habibi, and this is such a mitzvah that people skip. One of the most important mitzvot, Berkat Amazon, sit and make Berkat Amazon. Can change your life. Why? Because it's a gratitude. You don't need the food anymore. You don't need the table. It's very difficult to appreciate something after you use it. Very, very difficult. You appreciate things after you use it. <laughs> so you say, how do we get to that point? He say, not from everybody, God chose, chose you, the Jewish people, the Israelites. You, only you, the, the small amount of you. What is God trying to tell us here? He says, it doesn't mean, mean small amount, the people who diminish themselves. If you want to get to the highest level of the light shine on you, Make yourself smaller. How do you make yourself smaller? How do you do that? Only when you're around people. You have to be tested. Somebody take your seat. You get, you get sometimes a plate in a synagogue in, a, in a, one of the safra. You go to eat and you put your plate. You go to the bathroom to, to wash. And you come back. Habibi, somebody is already eating your dish. They're sitting in your seat. What are you going to do? Ah, but what Now I can become nothing. Hashem, give me a gift. I can become nothing. In everything like this, you have to look at the me'ut. And unfortunately, a lot of us are afraid to be nothing. And if you are really somebody, if you consider somebody, then be brave enough to be nobody. If you're not brave enough to be nobody, most probably you're not somebody. Because a real somebody is not afraid to be nobody. Not afraid to be nobody. You know, we're doing... Uh, in Israel, there is many rabbis I work with on Kabbalah because we have a mission to put Kabbalah in every yeshiva, in every school in Israel. So I work with all the top rabbis of Israel and we, we're doing interview with the rabbi then we interview with the student, you know, every day. So there's a wonderful rabbi, I hope you hear me. He's awake now, Rabbi Michael Maor, God bless his soul. God give him a long life. And uh, uh, it was one rabbi that was very defensive. And Rabbi Michael Maor looked at me said, you know, for somebody like that, being so defensive, so scared, is not enjoy being nobody. And somebody who's not enjoy to be nobody can never be somebody. Please think about it. Not everybody's ready for it. So I'm telling you something that maybe in a few months you can work on. Don't work on it right away. It's something to think about. When you drive, how do you drive? If you have a car, you let the person go in front of you, then you're ready to be nobody. Then you are somebody. What do you do? Uh, you're going to supermarket. Okay, so if you're a New Yorker, usually you are impatient. I, I realize it in a supermarket. So you're pushing that, that cart and you make sure that the person in front of you know it's time to go. <laughs> and uh, in LA, nobody ever talked to you. But you can stand there, dream, text, message, and everybody politely, they hate you, but they wouldn't say anything. Here, you can feel. So you are now you have stuff. If one of you, there is a lady that you only want to buy pretzel. Let it in. Let it in. What happened to your ego? Nothing. What's a big deal? That's called ameat ben. When a person is ready to become meat, to become nobody, you know his echuti, you know his quality. You talk it to a quality person. Person who always, it doesn't matter if it's a rabbi or a simple person, you can judge a person by, are they willing to become nothing? If a person cannot become nothing, there is work to, to do. Where do we learn it? From King David. King David writes in one of the Bizborim of Tilim, those of you who know Tilim, okay? I will raise my eyes to the mountain, from where my help will come. 
tells us the Kabbalists don't say from where, say me'ain. Ain mean nothing. Ain, the word ain, aleph, you do mean nothing. Me'ain yavo ezrish. Meaning from nothing, my help will come. If I look at myself that I'm nobody and everybody's arim, everybody's mountain around me, that's when I respect that everybody's better than me. Not from an uh, insecurity point of view. I hope you understand the difference. I'm not talking about I'm nobody from insecurity. I'm, I'm nobody because I work on myself to be less. Then everything around me is a mountain. I look at those people. Wow, what a tzaddikim. I look at another person. Oh, what a tzaddik. Oh, this person, look at them. Wow, even better than me. And I'm happy. Then Me'ain, as God is telling you, you don't have to worry. Help will come like that. But if you think that you are the mountain, you are it, then not Me'ain Yavo Ezra. Ezra, the help cannot come from nothing. It has to come with your own work. So think about it. Being nobody is actually allowing things to come from above much easier. Being somebody, you, you always want to bulge out like uh, somebody, is not allowed the creator to come and help you. Why? The Talmud write that there is one thing that one type of person that God cannot help. Two. I mean, there's only one person. And it's written like this in the Talmud. That God cannot help a person that has ga'ava, that has ego. Why? And it's written like this in the Talmud. And Ani, me and him, cannot live in the same apartment. So if you live in 7A or 7B and C or something like that, God says, I'm sorry, I'm going to stay outside. Once your ego come down, I'm going in. And the Talmud explained that Hashem giving emunah even to the thief. When the thief is about to break into a car, into a, a door, and he says, Hashem, help me that the police will not catch me. Hashem listened to his prayer. How can that be? But Gava? No. There's a one thing I cannot get involved, Hashem said. Only one thing, one thing. So all what we have to do, and, and it's not Gavach, it's only, it's not the Ramchal, talk about that the ego will not be, uh, the, the humbleness or the humility should not be seen by people. Because some people work on themselves to be nobody, they walk like this. And they walk slow, and everybody knows that they're humble. That's not a real humble. Humble is, is you can wear ego on the outside, but inside, you know nothing. That's a real, the real humility. Humility cannot be seen by the, by, by the eyes. That's a real humility. And that's what we are looking for. Tell us this fatimate. Now, how do we go there? I mean, the first thing, the first thing to get there, what it say by Shlomo Melech. Shlomo Melech write a pasuk in Kohelet. It say, I saw also a bad disease under the sun. What is the bad disease as the Zohar? Being cheap. Now we had no ego. Now they took my ego away from me. They took him what I want to earn it, turn it into earning. Now, Eliyahu, you're taking also this, and now I have to be more generous. What is being cheap? Being cheap, by the way, is not bad person. People who are cheap are not bad people. It's a disease. According to Shlomo Amelech, according to the Zohar, it's a disease. It's a disease. It's an addiction. Is the people that usually disappear when the paycheck arrives, they usually go to the bathroom. They have a bad stomach. They go, that's usually the time they are in the bathroom. When they come back and say, what happened to the check? You know, if you are one of those, don't hate yourself for that. Just work on changing it. And if you need to talk to me in private, I will help you as much as I can because I was one of those. Okay? It came from my father because it's come from a need to survive psychologically or a fear I will not have to go on. And when your mind thinking like this, unfortunately, the abundance that belong to you has been blocked. Don't be cheap with time. Don't be cheap with money. Don't be cheap with clothes. I have to give the credit to the one who helped me with this the most is my dear wife, Debbie. I remember when Debbie met me, okay, we start talking, we got married, and she looked into my closet. In my closet, I used to have a collection, I don't have them anymore, of tie. I used to love tie. So I have tie from this, that, that, and I met a lot of Famous people give me this is a gift, this is a gift. And I collect them. And then the shirt and the fancy jacket and these and that. Ooh, of course. I remember, and I remember I was 65 pounds. Huh? You know? So she asked me, are you wearing it? Eventually. Yes. Yes. So when the last time that she asked the second question, when the last time you went that shirt? Never. 
say, I'm giving it away. Don't give it away. You know, I collect those things for five years. What are you doing? And I remember that day, I mean, thank God she took a free will away from me. She put it in a plastic bag, those black plastic, the big one, and it started being shared. I started seeing people in the place where I work, this wearing my tie, I couldn't say anything, shirt, very fancy suit, everybody. And it started growing. Then she teach me the next level of sharing and the next level of giving and more and more and more. And the idea, I start feeling free. My freedom came back to me because freedom cannot be part of your soul if you're all the time thinking what I'm going to lose. I used to be the one that look, I don't know if you are one of those that look at the price, not at the item I buy in a restaurant. And I go to the price. Okay, that's cheap. That's exactly what I want. And I had to do an exercise that I have to cover the price and choose what I want to eat and then look at the price. And I have to tell you the thing that's been open to me, I should do a course just about money and business. I will tell you stuff that I went through. The abundance that's been open, it was beyond the level that you can even understand. I'll give you just one example. It used to be a restaurant here in New York called Prime Grill. You maybe don't remember that. It used to be between Park and Madison on 49. Okay, it was fancy and all this and that. So I go there and I want to be generous and I'm inviting a couple that want to get married. I don't have money at that time in my pocket. I mean, I had a little bit, but I was hoping they will just order, you know, Caesar salad and enough. no, no glass of wine. Those couple were thinking different than me. And I'm sitting with my wife and uh, I don't tell her anything. I have $150 in my pocket and things are going out of control. The Caesar salad coming in. They like the sushi too. It was sushi there. Say, I say, why they have to order special? Dragon, I don't know, from China, something special with. And I'm, I'm, you know, being being who I am, I calculate things very fast. So I, I go to Debbie. I say, just uh, you know, we we focus just on we share a salad, you know. Share a salad and drink water. The water, the tap water. And I remember I'm sitting there and I'm sweating. And then I tell Debbie, see, listen, you go home. Most probably it's going to be a big problem. I don't have money in my account. You need to know it was different time, different thing. I didn't have no money. And I said, I don't want to be nice. I want to get out of being cheap. But I went with the wrong couple. I mean, it happened to be the right couple in the end. So in the end, of course, the bill is... With the wine they order, they, they thought I'm generous and say, let's go all the way. You know, Papa invite, Papa need to be. <laughs> so they were much younger. So I remember that the bill arrived and then uh, the owner of the restaurant uh, uh, come and he looked at me, say, you Eliao? And I said, oh my God, this is really becoming bad. <laughs> now, not only our money, the guy you know me now, the whole city will know what happened. And I imagine myself already, I'm telling Debbie, you know, we're going to wash dishes, no big deal. <laughs> Volunteer tomorrow to cut some vegetables. And that's it. I can do that. And uh, he looked at me. He said, do you remember we met in a different restaurant? You gave a, a lecture and you helped me a little bit with your advice. So may I take care of the bill? And I'm looking at him like he was God on Mount Sinai. I said, well... I, I don't feel comfortable with it. I'm trying to play like a... <laughs> he said, no, I have to do it. So, well, if you have to, you have to, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm, I'm with you. And I'm telling you, when, when the abundance comes, it's come. So the first thing, work on the idea of not being cheap. If it's not money, it's time. People ask for you to help, ask you to volunteer. Volunteers, go, help. 20 minutes, half an hour. Remember, it's make it all different. Now I'm going to take you into, to my opinion, the most important part of understanding how to get to the highest level of Ayat Hanam. The Zohar write like this. The Zohar is telling us we need to reach a level called Ahavat Hashem, loving the Creator. Now, this level is considered one of the toughest and the hardest to get to. Rabbi Yosef Patach v'ata mali po ne'um Hashem ki lakach hamichinam Come and behold and see the love of the Creator toward the Israelites, toward the Jewish people. I mean, it doesn't seem so right now in Israel, those of you who follow the news. I mean, you don't have to be Israeli to follow the news. It was on, uh, uh, what's it called? Not New York Times, the other one. Uh, 
No, the the, the thing, journal, uh, Wall Street Journal. Yeah, the, the first page. Those of you who read, yeah, I want to say downtown because I'm thinking stock market. Okay. Sometimes when a person commits a crime, commits a sin, the creator has to leave because there is no affinity. The creator is not leaving you because he's punishing you, because there is no affinity. If you're all about yourself, the creator is all about giving and you're all about receiving, the creator has to move away. The creator is no gaava. creator doesn't have ego. How do we know creator doesn't have ego? Hashem, Geut Lavesh, God is dressing with the ego just for that moment to be important, but then he undresses himself from the ego. Okay, so just remember. So when a person has ego, he has disaffinity with God. Disaffinity with God will cause you sadness, will cause you crime, will cause you problem. I'm not happy, I'm not satisfied. Unfortunately, because there is sin, there is crime. What is the number one sin? We don't know how to get along. We don't know how to get along. That's the number one sin. We don't know how to be along. Think about it. You are a father and you have 100 kids. Okay? 10 of the kids are perfect. 90 of the kids are problematic. And the 10 kids come to God and say, we are the best. We are the best. You think God has time for you to listen how great you are? Oh, God is, what about my 90? Don't come to tell me how great you are, how tzaddikim you are, and you pray three times a day. I want you to take care of the 90. I see a lot of time people who are close to God, already praying, they're already religious, they're already connected. They don't care about those people who kind of hanging there. They call the man, ah, he's a playboy. Oh, she is something else. So what? So what? I said many times in my lecture, when a diamond falls into the mud, you don't pick it up? So what? So your friend falls down to the mud, pick it up, wash it, help them, and get them together. What, what the heck? It says that the Creator is going to some pain because He cannot share with us His goodness. Because we are busy with ourselves. When Israel was exiled from their country, by the way, the country, uh, many people think that people who are next to Jerusalem, they are not in exile. Exile is in the mind. As the, as the, uh, the Rabbi Milovavich used to say in, on Masechet Iruvin, uh, when you make Iruvin, when you're making uh, uh, your property, it's called uh, uh, public domain versus single domain, so you, you have to put a, a, a pot, you have to put a piece of bread, so you, that's what makes that your property. So the Rabbi Mulevavich one time answered to Rabbi Mordechai that wherever the mind of a person, that's what the person is. For that reason, when a man put filin, if he doesn't think about Israel, this is as if he didn't put filin, because there is no mitzvah of filin of outside of Israel. If you look into the details, the mitzvah of filin is Beret Israel. So why are you putting filin here? To practice, as Rashi say. You practice in put filin. So when you go into Israel, you're going to put it. So what is galut? What is exile of Israel? Doesn't mean exile just out of physical Israel. Exile is your mind. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Are we are here now. Where are we? Are we in New York? Are we in 71 Street? Maybe when you get out of it, it's Shuk Machane Yehuda in Jerusalem. Those of you who know the Shuk. We're in the Shuk. So your mind could be right now. This is what's going on outside. But of course, the eyes is the only thing. Once you open your eyes, what are you going to see? The moment now. When you close your eyes, what are you going to see? Any place you want to see. So what is better? The five senses are misleading us all the time? Or closing the five senses and connect to something bigger? Think about it. What is exile? Exile is not a physical place. Exile is what your mind is. Where your mind is. Whatever you live in Long Island, whatever you live in Toronto, whatever you live in New York City, where are you here? What's going on here? Close your eyes. Where are you? That's that's a secret. Hashem doesn't give up on his love. The question is, are we giving up on our love toward the Creator? And if we want to create love, what is that we need to do? And for that reason, I need to take you to a different section. I'll try to make it as short as I can. I know you're in a rush. New Yorker, I learned it lately. Always in a rush. They told me in New York, when I give lecture, don't tell them when it starts, tell them when it's end. It's a new thing for me. 
Okay, when it ends, when is the end of the lecture? So it's about, give me 15 minutes. Hopefully, Blin and I can, can finish it. To get to the level of loving the creator, there is a step that you got to do before. I'm reading from the Agdamat Sefer Azor. It's called Pekude Oraita. Mitzvah Rishona. What is the first mitzvah a person should do? Mitzvah Zunikret Yirat Hashem. Yirat Hashem meaning fear of God or respect of God or an awe toward God. Let's understand Yirat. שכתוב ראשית חוכמה יראת השם, יראת השם יראה ראשית דעת, משום שדבר זה יראה נקרא ראשית. וזהו השאר להיכנס אל האמונה. The beginning of getting into certainty, into אמונה, into trust in God, into faith, into belief, you have to start with יראה. Then we need to understand how to start. What is יראה? כי אי אפשר להשיג אמונה שלמה you cannot get to emuna, to bitachon, to a certainty, to faith, until you're getting into yira. So we still need to know what yira. As much as you have yira, as much as you have that thing that called yira, you will, you will believe more. So what is it? So I'm skipping here to get into the point in Kuf Tzadik. A yira mefureshet l'shalosh p'chinot. The Yira'ah can be understood in three levels. The first two we're going to mention, say Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, it's not the right way, but it's good beginning. The one I'm going to mention would be the way to do it. There's people who fear God because they want the children to make it, the, the children to be alive, the children to be healthy, the children to, to go to a good school the children to be growing up, to become important. Or there is people who fear God because they're afraid to be punished with their body, meaning disease. Or a punishment that they will lose their money. So they fear God. They fear God because they might lose money, they might get sick, they might, the children might get sick. So this year, it's a beginner year. So it's a start, but it's not the way to, to worship God. שהעירה שהוא ירם בקדוש ברוך הוא לא שם אותה לשורש, כי תועלת עצמו היא השורש. ספר סרבי שמעון ויוחאי, this ירה is not real ירה, because what is the roots of that ירה? To get what I want. I'm not afraid of God, because I'm really, oh my God, the creator is here in my room right now. No, I'm afraid because I know that he can make decision about my life, and because of that, I have fear. So my fear is truly not coming from a place that I'm afraid, it's coming from a place that I'm going to lose something. So the motivation is wrong. Is the first one clear to everybody? Is it clear? Don't be shy to ask. It's very important that those stages will be clear. I'll give you time to ask if it's not. I will repeat it again if needed. Second type of hira is a fear that I'm afraid what's going to happen to me in the upper world. Are you going to hell? Are you going to heaven? Are you going to be next to the angels? Are you going to be next to that? So that type of fear also, it's the wrong hira. Okay, so remember, those two year old are not the right year. The first one is fear what happened to me here. Second fear is what's going to happen to me there. That's not the way to worship God. What is the real year? The real year is respect. It's an awe that you understand that the creator is the master of everything. Is the master that make your lungs pump, inhale and exhale. Is the one that when you chew, it's not because you chew or you eat vegan or you eat healthier now, feeling better. There is a force. There is a force. There is billions of angels working for that boss called the creator. And the creator make that angel, your guiding angel, those of you who believe in it or not, you do have one. I'm sorry to break it down to you. And everybody has one angel next to him, at least one, that's taking care of you. You have more than one, because you have the angel that you've been created. One day we should do a lecture just on angel. I will teach you how to create an angel, what to connect to an angel, but we need to set up a time for that. And you will understand with your action, with your words, and with your thought, you create an angel, actually. But you need to know how to do it, of course. So if you are understanding that that master of the world create every details, and for that reason, you have so much respect, that's the right era. So you no longer worry what's going to happen to you in the upper world or what's going to happen to you here. Because you're saying to yourself, 
whatever happened to me. And the boss who created me think that's the best thing for me, that it's the best thing for me. There is an area in Boston called Brookline. Does anybody from Boston? Nobody from Boston. Brookline. On Brookline, there is two bakery. Used to be two bakery. There's an immense street. In the main street, you is a, there is a Jewish guy who cut cut your hair down called Victor. All the way in the end, you have two two bakery. I'm going to the bakery. I'm giving a lecture in Brooklyn. I'm giving to the other area. It's called Newton, New, Newton or something like this. Yeah, and I'm giving lecture in the college. I'm going around give lecture. It was much younger. I travel everywhere. So remember the guy in the in the. It was a long line for one bakery. The other bakery empty. So me knowing me, I like fast so i'm going into where it's empty and nothing is working there cashier is not there i start to understand why nobody's coming here. like i want i want to bake and i want to get out of there and uh suddenly the, the 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 husband and wife you know coming and they see me struggling and they help me to get the bagel and they they look at me and say you have yamaka maybe you can bless us that the place will do better what do what are we what are we doing wrong here? I mean, we're praying, we're trying, we copy what they do, we copy everything. A lot of time we're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. We're doing the right thing. We're doing everything perfect. But the agenda is wrong. The agenda is selfish. If I'm doing everything perfect, but in my mind I'm thinking about me, that's not the right year. The right year is to be with God, not what I'm going to get. So I told them there is two levels of certainty in life that you can achieve in your mind. One certainty is you have to believe you're going to make it. That's one level of certainty. It's a low level, low frequency. The highest level of frequency of certainty is when you know that whatever happened to you, it's the best thing that can ever happen to you. That's a high level of frequency. When you are in that mindset, that's a real ira, then you're drawing all the energy you need. That irad, only the third one, guys. Only the third one. Amitzvah shniyazu mitzvah shemitzvat ayira mitachezet ba veena yotzet bimena laolam vei haava. You want to get to the level that you love the Creator truly. You have to practice the third ira. As you're walking around the street, as you're walking out from the lecture, as you're walking in the street, you have to be amazed by your feet. Oh my God, God make my feet work today. It's Let's say if you drive a car, God make my brain remember where I parked my car. Wow, it's amazing. God make me remember what color is my car and what kind. Wow, everything is amazing. Every, then that year, ah, give birth to Ava. What does that mean to love the creator Karaui? The next part is a little tough, not for everybody, but think about it. There is love with condition. Somebody loved God because life is good. You make good money. You have the best soulmate. Kids are amazing. Everything works wonderful. You live in an area where the weather is just amazing. You have your vacation to Italy, exactly to Sardinia, to the house you want with the kosher chef next to you. What can you complain about? Everything is sweet. Everything is amazing. Of course, I'm going to love God. Of course, I'm going to give credit to God. Just don't take it away from me. It's not a complete love. Didn't work in the book, happened to Abraham. He just circumcised himself. He has three guests. He didn't know it was angel. Three Ishmaelim, three Arab, not Muslim, Arab, are walking into his tent. He can say, listen, it's a day off. I mean, go to the other tent. I'm sorry, I'm taking a day off. I'm Brit Mila. I'm still in pain. This is the third day. Ooh, I had to do it myself. The moil didn't show up. This is me. And no knife. It was a rock, like Evan Sewell. You understand? No. It's a... 
כי התהלך לפניי בלי סעד. So, so the Zohar is telling us, Abraham, unconditional ואף על פי שלא תדע אם אבוא אחריך לסעדך. When God tell him, לך לך, go away. He didn't know if God is going with him. He didn't know nothing. That's a test of love. It's also between couples. A lot of time you see husband and wife, oh, we love each other. Oh, everything is wonderful, everything is wonderful. And I always love to see them after they have the first child or the second child, but nobody's asleep. Those of you who have children, nobody's asleep. Uh, you don't know what's going on. You have no idea who you are. You have no idea. Is this the marriage? This is what I signed for? I'm not sleeping. People ask, what happened when my kids were young? How are you doing? doing good what would you wish for yourself for Rosh Hashanah sleeping sleeping <laughs> sleep will be a nice thing you know you go to work you find yourself talking to somebody on the phone and the phone we didn't have the cell phone then we had the... so how is the the true love is to have two two conditions one it's called Dina Kashia Dinakasha means harsh judgment, meaning when you go into a tough time in your life, you still find the blessing in it. And the second level of love called betivu. The Zohar call it betivu, when life is actually wonderful. When life is really wonderful, you think it's easy to love God, but it's not. We sing a mizmor on Shabbat. We say, King David, say this mizmor. Velo netashtani, you never left me, say King David. Kol yeme idanai. I will translate, you never left me all the time that I was doing well. She'd say, you never left me when I did bad. No, King David say, I did well, and you never left me. Because usually when you do well, you leave God. You no longer think about God. Life is wonderful. Life is great. That's called to love God when it's not a bad time, when it's a good time. Then to love God when it's a bad time. How do you get there? Remember the step before? True. Testing you now. How do we get to that level of love? What is the step before? Ira, very good. What type of ira are we talking about? That what? That's good. That's certainty. But what is the ira? The irat, what we call irata romemut. What is the irata romemut exactly? It was three type of ira. Remember? Yeah. Yes, yes, that's the translation. But what is it? Like, not what the translation of the word. Like, what is the ah that we're supposed to do it? I give you three examples. I'm doing that to you so you can stay with something when you go home with, even we have a recording of it, but what is the third ira? This is That's the key play. Wonderful. That is the controller, is everything. Remember that. When you walk like this with everything, you will eventually love the creator. No matter where you go, you're going to love the creator. When you love the creator, then va'etchanan of you is changing. No longer for what you need. Your, your begging is about, I want to change. Guys, it's getting late for you. I'm uh, after my time. I mean, it's 9.04. I want you to know. If you have babysitter or something like this, I'm late a little bit. Do you want me to do a meditation with you? Or it's too late for you? Whatever you want. I don't want to push you. Meditation, short meditation? Okay, I'm going to grab a chair. Thank you. And we're going to do a short meditation. Uh, by the way, in, in Kabbalah, it's called Itbonenut. Itbonenut, meaning from the word Bina. And the word Bina, meaning uh, looking into something. to look into something. And the way that you focus on your breathing, there's two levels in the breathing, uh, one to your chest and one to your belly buttons. In, in Kabbalah, those two areas are different. The chest is representing more the spiritual part of the body, which is controlled by the lungs and the heart. And the lower part is the digestive system and all the other organs. This is called in Kabbalah Netzach or the Esod on the He. This is called Chagat. So those are two different levels. Now, don't focus on the breathing. Do it right. There is no right. There's right only in the mind. Remember when your mind is right right now. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to think before we start about one person in your life that you try to reach out to them, but it's very difficult to work with. But you care about them. But whether they could be father, mother, alive. Don't, don't do it with that people. That's, you need a different meditation for that. But we talk about people who are alive, whatever they are in your life, or whatever you're suffering from them. But you really wish them well. You really want them to make it. And what, what we wanted to do by Hanan for them right now. 
So we're not going to do the prayer for us. We're not going to do the meditation for us. We're going to, I'm going to walk you through that, how to do it for another human being, not for you. Okay? Very good. So I want you to focus on your breathing. And we're going to do some counting. Okay? So just in the beginning, just relax your body. You know, your body becomes like so relaxed. And your breathing becomes slowly. Make your mind more calm while your mouth is closed. Focus on your tongue to the roof of your mouth. Touch your tongue with the roof of your mouth. Then lower it with about three times while you're breathing. Please. I want you to see yourself a fall of stairs. We're going to start going down from 10 to 9, from 9 to 8. As you're breathing, it's called Avir, or from 8 to 7, 7 to 6, 6 to 5. Relax, you can feel your body. As you relax, from 5 to 4. Four to three, two. Now your body is really relaxed. And one. In front of you, there is a big door. Beautiful door. When you open that door, try to use your imagination that that door can take you to any time you want. Just open the door, and in your mind only, no words, invite that person that you want to help. Please invite them in your mind. Take a minute to invite them. Talk to them with your mind. Wonderful. Now remember before you start helping them, don't have any agenda for yourself. Make it all about them. I want you to see yourself together with that one person standing. Or pray. It can be a synagogue that you like. It can be Jerusalem. Any place make you feel comfortable. And there is one word that you are writing on a piece of paper, and the word is Ba'et Hanan, Benny. And you're showing it to that for individual, and both of you look at that piece of paper saying the word Ba'et Hanan, Benny. In your heart, you know exactly what they need. And now, both of you, as it's written, better two than one, praying for the same thing for that person. You're not praying for yourself. You're praying for them. Nothing to you, just for them. Feel that the respect has been built between the two of you. 
the love, the light in the room, the physical light in the room start to shine like there's thousand candles around you. The feeling like feeling of love, caring, unity. The angel Argaman coming to help you. Argaman stand for Uriel, Raphael, Gabriel, Michael, and Uriel, those five angels for helping you to make sure to manifest that by Hanan for your friend, for that person. Now, say thank you to your friend. Wish them the best. They are thanking you as well. This is the time to reach out to the door where you enter. They're going to their way, you're going to your way. They're opening that door and start coming out from one to two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Focus on your breathing, inhale and exhale as deep as you can. And slowly open your eyes. Slowly, slowly. I say thank you to each and every one of you to come and be with me here. Mean a lot to me. Mean a lot to us. Because no, without you, we cannot bring that light to the city. So each one of you sold, make a big difference for the global community. And whoever listen to me in different location, you know, that can make a difference and bring more love, community, community. Again, thank you. And hopefully we'll see you uh, next week.